Welcome to Sudbury Stories. Sudbury's full of amazing individuals that are doing some incredible things and making this city a better place. It's my goal to get the good word out about good news stories local to Sudbury and highlight those individuals like Max here that are having an impact and making Sudbury a better place. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario? Born and raised in Lively, he graduated from Laurentian University and began a professional career at Paladino Honda as a sales and leasing consultant. After about a year and a half with Honda, he left to pursue a career in medical sales with Sunrise Medical as an account manager covering Northern Ontario, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. That's quite the, uh, the, 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 the catchment area. During this time, he's also served as a board of directors of the Lively Golf and Country Club, and he, I believe he says he's the longest serving board member on the board at this time. And he's got a side hustle uh, coaching, uh, or sorry, refereeing junior A hockey as well as university hockey, which I'm excited to get him on the mic and chat about a little bit as well. So perfect, happy to get you on the mic today. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, and you said it's, uh, we tried to chat a little bit off mic, but it's your first time on a podcast. It is, yeah. Yeah, but you also <laughs> made the comment that you're listening to lots. Listen to quite a few, yeah, yeah. on the road quite a bit. So <laughs> <laughs> with a territory like that, so and uh, so basically from a day to day operations when you're doing uh, sales and you right now you're like your Sunrise Medical, so you guys cover uh, like basically like uh, medical equipment sales, right? Higher like business to business or business to consumer. Or? Yeah, we're uh, so it's uh, international international company. Um, we're all B two B sales. Um, we're Primarily a manufacturer, our kind of our core business is a wheelchair manufacturer, yeah. and a distributor. We're one of the top three in the in the market internationally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're focusing as as wraps our jobs are kind of day to day or business business to business sales, and then also educating uh, clinicians, therapists. Kind of a two pronged approach is how we kind of do things up here, bringing them up to speed, kind of thing with what the new technologies are, and then uh, yeah, bring them up to speed with new stuff, refreshing them with old stuff. There's, uh, it's once you get into uh, this industry that I'm in, you, it's it's pretty overwhelming, pretty impressive how much how much stuff is out there. It's uh, it's wild. When I when I first started, I thought you know kind of what's uh, what's a wheelchair? You get two big wheels and two little wheels in the front, like. What, what, what else did you learn? Yeah, exactly. And then there's yeah, it's just a just like a wormhole of uh, of different categories and so yeah, <laughs> some YouTube deep dives. I'm sure you could use there. Yeah, sure. you go down a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> no, fantastic. And then well, I'm happy to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing for from uh, like a work perspective. But also, I think you've got one of the most unique side hustles going on. Yeah, and you used to be uh, tied to the like uh, at the OHL level, but yep. you've kind of given uh, the, just linesing at that level. But you've kind of given back on that, and now you're focusing on junior A and university. Yeah, refing and that, which is again such a such a cool thing. I'd love to, to kind of chat about that. And then uh, also, obviously you've got some great uh, volunteer experience working as a, a board of directors for Lively Golf and Country Club. So so yeah, without a do there, I th- I think it's a it's kind of uh, fitting that uh, there's so many friends and, and people that I know in the community that probably started out with a, with a like in car sales with Honda or something <laughs> like that. So uh, you know you've uh, you followed the uh, the mold there. Yeah yeah. <laughs> some the but did you always know that sales was for you like right out of school and stuff like that or where like where did the passion come from um you know what i don't know if i always thought sales per se was going to be going to be my career or my future um i took business at laurentian um and then you know when i graduated it's uh you know it's a, it, not a it wasn't a ton of jobs out there in the marketplace um but uh what year did you graduate like roughly around? uh well, that would have been about seven years ago now, seven or eight years ago, so 2012, 2012. 2012. Yeah, like <laughs> math guy, yeah. um, 
yeah, so let's say I call it around 2012 or so. Um, not a ton of jobs out there. Um, and then, you know, like you, as you alluded to, being a, a golf guy, um, Vince Palladino is a pretty big golf name in Sudbury, for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, just kind of made that connection with, with him through golf and uh, uh, was lucky enough to kind of get offered a job kind of right out of school with, uh, with Vince. And um, that kind of kickstarted everything and kind of launched, launched my career into, into sales in general. So, uh, so like networking doesn't just happen with the golf club after university and I yeah, know no, no, before for you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you've got quite the, the golf history. I remember like, like in all fairness there, Max bought a house for me through like a couple years ago. Cause so we kind of built a relationship there, but I, uh, I didn't realize that he was a golfer until like right at the end yeah. or somebody told me and then I pulled up his history and like, he's quite the golfer and then an accomplished golfer for Sudbury as well. So, um, so how long have you been golfing for? Like right since you've been a, a, a baby kind of thing or when was there a first golf club in your hand? Um, I'd probably say around the age of 10. I know like just 10 sticks out for me because I know that's when um, you could start to remember at, uh, at Lively where, where I grew up and was in the game. But I think I, I think I had some, some old clubs given to me a little bit before that. My dad would take me out on the, uh, at Lively. He was always a member there. We'd go out you know, after, after hours kind of thing, go out at like six, 6 at night and just bang some balls around when I was a little kid. And then just, uh, yeah, kind of. Like, kind of fell in love, fell in love with the game. I'm kind of part of that uh, era, that generation that grew up watching Tiger too. So you know, you add that to the mix, and was just immediately hooked, and probably never, never give up the sport. So where were you last year when he won the Masters? Were you? Still I was. That? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was sitting. Uh, I was sitting in Florida. Um, we we're supposed to play golf that uh, that morning, but I remember the tee times got pushed up to the morning for the Masters because they had some weather coming in. So. Um, was kind of bummed out we were supposed to go to a nicer track and play play earlier in the morning and watch the Sunday of the Masters but um you know it's never too bad when you're waking up on holidays watch the Masters and start <laughs> drinking it uh have a beer at 10 a.m and watch watch Tiger tee off but it was uh yeah it was pretty cool it was uh it was pretty awe-inspiring I, I've always been a Tiger fan Tiger's been you know probably my my favorite guy since since he's come on the scene um you know the guy's just done so much for growing the game right like it's just how, how can you not absolutely amazing right like, yeah it was yeah so it was pretty surreal probably probably won't forget where i was when he when he won that one <laughs> that was extra special too with the like the long uh, gap between right but, yeah yeah no fantastic so 10 years old you're you're joined up at live the golf club at that time is that kind of that you became a member as soon as you could become a member kind of thing yeah for sure yeah, yeah. um that's kind of always been one of the really cool things about lively is how how cheap and accessible it, it's always been for for junior golfers uh especially um i think like it might have been you know, maybe like a hundred bucks for my dad to tack, tack me on as a junior with, with his adult membership. So it was kind of, you know, like a no brainer. Me and all my buddies, like parents would drop us off at, you know, nine in the morning on whatever day it was, go down, go down to the potting green, practice for a bit, then go play 18 holes, go come in, grab a bite to eat, go practice for a bit more, go play another 18 holes and get picked up at, at dark. So yeah, that was our summer. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's definitely, you know, like born and raised in lively kind of thing. It's, it's that kind of a community that's that small town feel. And like even Sudbury's a small town feel place, but lively's got that to the next level, I think. Yeah. I'm always, uh, I'm always quick to remind people I'm not from Sudbury, I'm from lively. <laughs> so one of those, one of those lively boy things, you know? Yeah. Born and raised where it's, where yeah. it's you're staying true to your heart. That's for sure. <laughs> no, fantastic. Fantastic. So, so, uh, so you met Paladino early on and that's, he gave you kind of your start in, uh, in car sales. And then how did you make the transfer out of that? Like what, what, how did the opportunity come up with Sunrise? Um, I was just, uh, I was reached out to, um, by, uh, by a headhunter for it. And it just, uh, seemed like something 
you know worthwhile pursuing. Um, at that time, like, are they finding you on LinkedIn or like how does he like? Yeah, it was just yeah, it was it was through LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn was fairly it was fairly kind of new. It was definitely in its, in its infancy then, but we were we were all on it to like all of the all the sales reps at at uh, at Matt or Honda. We were all we were all on it like just as a means to kind of get our name out there, right? It was something yeah. new, get out on social media, and then I think the headhunting game kind of was more or less just starting through through LinkedIn anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. So just pursued it. Um, you know, I just I just felt like the the car sales thing wasn't quite for me for for whatever reason. I just just wasn't working out great for me and I could kind of see that and was, you know, kind of smart enough to, to realize, you know, maybe it's time for a shift in, in careers and I think definitely made the right choice going forward. And I think uh, you know, when I talked to it was one of the hardest things to do was talk to Vince and to uh to Lee Mulligan too and tell those guys that, hey, I'm you know, they've been so good to me, giving giving me my first job and sitting down with those guys face to face and telling them I'm leaving. But I think they both kind of realized too that it was probably a good decision for me and they both thought, you know, I'd do pretty well in, in this career and so far, so good. Yeah, like obviously you're still connected in the golf network in Sudbury. Do you still have a pretty good working relationship with him today then? Or you see him on the golf course every now and then I'm guessing? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't uh, I don't see I don't see him a ton. Um obviously, you know, not, not like seeing him every day when you're coming into the dealership, but um yeah, for sure when you know, when we'll see him out on the golf course we'll uh, you left on amicable terms then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wasn't suing anybody for that. That's that's a fact. Yeah, no, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, everything's all good yeah. until we uh, until we go head to head and Ryder Cup or something like that, and uh, maybe the black bad blow still over. <laughs> no, fantastic, fantastic. So that that's uh, that that's great, and then like obviously, I think I think there's something that goes. Um, like it's some, there's something to be said for people that can kind of t- take a self-reflection like take a picture of the what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and like at the time you said like it was a good job you're probably making some money as a young kid kind of thing but you could see that in the long term this is not what's making you happy and not gonna you know be, be f- fulfilling on that personal level for a long time but like for for the long period of time so being able to kind of take that self-reflection and jump on the next opportunity it's tough to do because you know it's uncertainty across, around the corner and it's a door that's uh you're not really sure where it's going to lead but obviously you know you're looking at it and you know, you're six seven years later and it's yeah. led you to some pretty good places anyways yeah for sure and, and like i said it was you know it's even tougher to do with having that kind of personal relationship with the guys that hired you just you know beyond developing anything while you're at work you know you knew these guys beforehand and so it's, you, you kind of you have to try to navigate that you know am I kind of letting you down by leaving but you know ultimately you got to do what's what's right for you right at the end of the day but yeah. um, like I said they were awesome about it and fantastic here we are fantastic yeah well it's uh like and it sounds like you're enjoying yourself but that, that territory sounds massive though yeah and uh <laughs> we were just chatting off Mike a little bit just before the the interview started but he's just like dave you realize that there's multiple time zones that are crossing <laughs> and that's got to be the most challenging thing where like you've got to you know be able to take that call when uh when when they need to take that call right so yeah yeah that's um I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of challenges with having such a big area geographically um it's it's absolutely massive like you said it's uh, manitoba saskatchewan and, and all of northern ontario i mean all of northern northern ontario itself geographically is insane and there's multiple time zones there too yeah uh but yeah like it's like you said it's you know you're you're at home it's five o'clock it's it's quitting time in ontario but it's uh, there's still two hours to go out in saskatoon so you get those Saskatoon numbers coming in on your cell phone, you, you still got to answer the phone call. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the downfalls to it. But I mean, you know, not, I mean, every job's got its, got its perks. Every job's got its yeah. downfalls. And if that's, you know, if that's one of the worst things about my job, then 
and you're kind of like like in sales, you're kind of running your own business. Like you work from home. Like yeah, you pick you you have a little bit of flexibility with what you, with what you're doing on a day to day basis. But at the end of the day, you know what your ultimate goals are and what you ultimately have to like your deliverables and what you have to achieve, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> is it tough to stay motivated on a day to day basis like that? Um, it's uh, it, it can be. It can be. Um, you know, there's, it, there can be, there can be days where it's, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a busy, busier schedule and, you know, I got a lot of buddies that are in sales and, you know, one of them might have a day that they got nothing going on and they're giving me a call. Do you want to go play golf? And it's, I could, I could push this off, but it's, yes, yeah, staying disciplined is, is the key to it and just making sure, you know, you're taking care of taking what care of done. what needs to be done and, you know, kind of work before play. Yeah. And, um, ultimately if you're doing that, I think that's, that's priority number one it's gonna work out in the end yeah yeah no fantastic fantastic well like and i like i just think that you've got such a like such a cool story between you know the the golf thing and like being on the board there but also the uh that what you've competed in multiple rider cups uh at least at a local level but also the hockey like uh refing hockey i think that's such a cool side hustle to have and so where like how old were you when you kind of decided that you wanted to go down that and pursue that a little bit um how old was i i would have been I think there was a, I know there was a bunch of us, um, we were all hockey players, and I think we all agreed kind of one year there was like you know, four or five of us that kind of realized, hey, like this is a cool way to make like a little bit of, kind of like a part-time job in the winter, right? And I think we were maybe 15 years old, something like that. So you don't even have your driver's license yet. Yeah, I know, I remember getting dropped off by my parents or like older referees picking us up and bringing us to, to go do our games at like six in the morning, you'd bang off like five games in a row and go home for the rest of the day on Sunday. It was, that's kind of how it started, but it was, you know, like, it, it was, you know, we'd, we'd all have, I, I'm like, for myself, I always had my summer job working at the, working at the golf course, which was great, and then you had nothing to do in the winter, so it was, you know, I can make some money and still kind of be on the ice and still be, it doesn't really feel like working. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a fun thing. I'm going to get paid for it. Sure. Why yeah. not? So, and like I said, we were doing it with all of our buddies, right? So you go out there kind of maybe joke, maybe joke around too much, but the social thing was good there. Yeah. Um, and like, like 15, 16 years old, like it might be intimidating when you like, I, like, I think that parents have probably come a long way where they kind of respect the rest a little bit more and respect the game. And hopefully they're, they're encouraging the players and not, you know, try to live, uh, live out their kids life or something like that. But like, do you, have you had some, some um, tough stories off, off, uh, at, at the rink, you know, between the parents or between the teams? You know what? I didn't, uh, I didn't have a ton, like I didn't have a, like a really any nightmare stories. Um, I definitely had, you know, my, my moments and my incidents, like I've had to, you know, have, you know, angry dads kicked out of arenas and stuff like that. And, you know, kicking out angry coaches or whatever it may be. Right. But, um, I don't know though. And I could be wrong cause I, I don't do any minor hockey anymore, but I still, I still think that at the minor hockey level, I still think the, the abuse that these young kids are taking is, um, out of control really like I still think they're getting a lot of it and what I think a lot of parents players coaches on these younger teams not all of them but I think a lot of them what they don't realize is that you know if it's a novice if it's a novice game okay well your kid is just learning how to play hockey the referee that's on that game is likely just learning how to referee hockey yeah and it's you know, there, it, there's not that understanding there right and they just see you see it on at, at the NHL level on TV where coaches are just giving it to referees, right? Well, like these referees, not that it makes it right, but these referees are making, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And this is a business, right? It's a different thing, but they see that and it's emulated at the lower levels. And, um, 
we see it all the time, like in our, in our association for, for officials in Sudbury, it's extremely hard to get officials to cover, uh, younger levels of minor hockey. Really? Well, because they're, they're just losing kids every year. So you'll bring in these new kids and the attrition rates for younger officials are through the roof. And that's Canada wide too. It's just, we're losing young officials all the time because of the abuse. I, it may have been, it may, it's probably better than what it used to be. Yeah. Um, because it used to be out of control, like it used to, like there was, I know friends of mine that have been like, how to get police escorts out of, out of arenas wow. and stuff. Yeah, it's just, just stupid stuff like that, right, with angry parents and it still, it still goes on, unfortunately, um, but um, the weird thing is I found, you know, now that I'm doing, like I'm strictly doing junior A hockey and OUA hockey. Um, OUA being university hockey, so yeah, Lorenzo. the at least from the fan standpoint of uh, point of view, like people always ask me like, Oh, what's it like being, you know, screamed at by, you know, like a thousand people or whatever. And like you, you honestly don't even hear it. Like it's, it's just all like a white noise, white noise. Yeah. Whereas when you're, when you're a kid, when you're, you know, like a young 15 year old or whatever, and you're getting screamed at by a parent, it's usually one parent in a ring full of 10 parents. So you're singled out. You hear that one guy calling your name in the book because he didn't call a penalty on little Johnny or whatever. Right. Yeah. So Wow. I think it's a lot worse and I think it becomes a lot more personal and uh, the kids are younger so there's that fear if you got a you know you got a 30 40 year old grown man screaming at you telling him he's gonna kill you it's different right that's that's absolutely nuts and like I know like it would my kids have recently started playing hockey. I, you know, my kids are six, four, and two. So, like, we the first year we went to play hockey, we had to uh, take uh, like uh, fair, fair kid, fairness in hockey or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It was like an online. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll take that. And they're like, they, they came to be like three practices, and they're like, you still haven't taken it. Your kids <laughs> not going to be allowed to play if you don't take this course. I'm like, oh, this is serious. Like, every other parent's taking this thing already. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, okay, I'll go online. I'll do it tonight. Like, yeah, right? yeah. And it, I mean, it's good that Hockey Canada is doing that, um, but at the end of the day, like if you're, it, it's going to come down to a heat of the moment thing, right? Like if, it's, you if, if you're an angry person and you want to be, you want to be a jerk, and you're, you feel like your kid's been wronged on the ice, and you're that kind of person, you're going to snap and you're going to lose your mind whether or not you took this course, right? It's, I understand they're doing something. Something's better than nothing, as far as you know what Hockey Canada's doing. I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. I think maybe it's, maybe it is at the higher levels to you know, to stop to, for, for the NHL to say, you know, like no more of it or whatever. Zero tolerance. And, yeah. Have a zero tolerance thing so that guys aren't seeing it on TV and thinking that like, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. I, I don't know. Personally, like I, I don't, when coaches or whatever are giving it to me, like I, I don't really care. It's, it's water off a duck's back to me. But like, that's also like, you know, but that's 15, 15, but that's 15, you know, yeah, 15, 16 years of having it done and pretty much seen everything. And it's uh so like, like we just, we brought my my son to a Sudbury Five game the other day, and there's a guy that sits right behind us, and he just has that ref, you suck, chant. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, it, it's like you kind of look at the kid, and you kind of feel like, oh, it's like should he be saying this too, kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. just you're introduced to it at a young age. Yeah. And it's a very tough thing, right? Like yeah. it's like, you, sure you can joke around with a little bit, like you know, boo the ref if he's making a bad call or whatever. But at the end of the day, like it's just it, you're you're setting an example where this is not something that's a good a good role model, where you're not being a good. You're not setting the proper, um, you're not setting your son up for what, you know, should expectations be in the future, right? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not stuff, that's not there for sure. So, so and at one time, because yeah, a couple years ago, you were actually reffing at the, or aliancing at the OHL level, right? Yeah. And you, like, so was the kind of the goal maybe that you were going to make the end someday? Or, like, how does that, uh, how does that even happen? How does an NHL referee become an NHL referee? Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, obviously, you've got to be, you know, 
fairly competent official. Um, there's a lot of um, we're so a lot of people maybe they do know this, maybe they don't know this. Um, when you get to kind of those the higher levels, we'll call it say like midget AAA and upwards, so like tier two junior A, like the NLJHL or OUA or the OHL, and kind of so on and so forth. Um, they've got um, supervisors or officiating managers uh, at most of these games, and their referees are basically being scouted. It's scouts for referees, more more or less. Well, we so I shouldn't say that it's only at those levels. You've got uh, supervisors basically right from. The minute you start refing, till the day you quit, evaluating you to basically yeah, just to just to basically you know make decisions on okay you know this guy he's this guy or girl's doing a doing a really good job at this level you know maybe they're ready for the next step step up to you know to give them a try at the bantam level and then they're checked there and then if you know things are going well there then they're moving up and so on and so on and so on yeah so it's it's kind of the same thing um it's just uh it's done with a lot more scrutiny a lot um probably a lot harder on the officials um at those higher levels yeah um to kind of you know kind of weed out weed out the best of the best and really that's how that's that's more or less how it happens in a nutshell so there's a lot of politics involved too uh, unfortunately but that's you know just like playing hockey it's, it's the same thing. So when we're watching NHL, like, that's the best of the best. Of the, the cream's risen to the top on those ones, and those are the, still the ones that are getting complaints from everybody. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, they, and, those guys have, and those guys have, you know, they have video review. They have, you know, everything at their disposal. Granted, the game's a million times faster. But, yeah, yeah like, they're, they're professionals, and they're, they're still making mistakes. I mean, they're humans. <laughs> Everybody's going to make mistakes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what was it, like, was there something specific? Was it just... The camaraderie is how you kind of started getting involved with refereeing. Was there something that kind of made you continue that passion? And even to this day, like you're still lacing the lacing the skates up on the weekend to go. You yeah. Know? Um. Yeah. It's. Uh, it, it was uh, kind of a wait. Like I, I like I said, I started refereeing when I was still playing, um, and then eventually quit playing. Just kind of just kind of became disinterested with with playing hockey at a competitive level in general around Bantam Midget and then just decided to go play high school and have fun with the boys. Yeah. Um, and then kind of after that, um, it was kind of around the same time I started getting moved up to those higher ranks of, you know, the Midget Triple A's and the, and the Junior A kind of getting on the lines in that level. Um, and that's where, you know, it really started kind of be, kind of be fun. Um, and then, you know, you have the hope of from there, you know, well, I hope, you know, hopefully I can, you know, aspire to be in the OHL and then from there, who knows what happens and so on and so forth. So there's always kind of a goal to work towards. Um, and then once you're in those leagues, like, so you, you know, the, when you're looking at any, any league, whether it's OHL, tier two, NHL, the best of the best every year are your guys that make the playoffs as well. So like that's kind of our our reward rate as refs is getting playoff assignments. So that's kind of it know, a, goal, it. a goal within that league, right? Like I want to make it to this round of the playoffs. I want to work the finals of the playoffs. I want to you know go to Mem Cup or whatever. Whatever it may be, yeah. And then you know as as I started getting getting older too, it's 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 good to still be around be around the game, be around guys that are you know still still young and, and, you know, full of energy and they're, it's, uh, it kind of keeps you, keeps you young. Um, you know, you got to stay in pretty decent shape. You can, you can, you can certainly get by and do that level of hockey. Um, but if you're 
wanting to do to be a better official in that league or go further, you've still gotta you got to be in fairly up. decent shape you and be able to keep up with the play. Man, those, so. those kids are skating fast out there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, especially, especially like, OHL kids, those kids are, the guys, these guys are in the gym nonstop. They're, you know, they're, they're highly, highly tuned, like, athletic machines nowadays. It's not... Uh, but I feel are probably ready to step on the NHL ice, right? So, like, you're, you're basically refing somebody at that caliber, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. That's nuts. No, it's it's awesome to see then how you were able to kind of create those little incentives and goals as you went through the year, whether it be the playoffs to make the playoffs or make the finals or something like that, but then also have that as kind of the carrot at the end of the stick when you were early in your career as well. But Yeah. But I... So... Great, like ten years old. Your parents are dropping you off at the golf course. The live the golf course. You're 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 a proud lively boy. So you've uh, of course you're gonna join up your local golf course. So ten years ago, you kind of or just under ten years ago, you got involved with the the the, uh, the board of directors there. Yeah. So what have uh, like what do you guys do on a day to day basis around the board table? Um. So we'll have we actually we're we're um we're more of a supervisory board. We're not a hands on operational board. Yeah. Um. So we'll meet uh once a month. Yeah. Um, both on season and off season. Um, off season we might meet a little bit less because there's just really not as much, not much going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, so really, at the end of the day, we're we're in charge with kind of the the financial direction of the club. Um, you know where we where we see fit to to kind of spend any of the money that that the club's bringing in throughout the year. Um, that more or less is what what our job kind of boils down to as uh, as a, a nine person board. And that's a tough thing to do. Like, like Yanni almost owns every golf club in Sudbury, and then the ones he doesn't own, like you guys are only open four or five months a year, and then you know there's snow six months a year. So yeah, yeah, like it's it's very short seasons that you can, can bring in that revenue, right? It's a short season, and it's it's also a crazy, crazy weather dependent season. Yeah. If you've got, uh, you know, if you have like what was it? I think it was two or three summers ago. We had like I think we had like forty five days of rain or something like that, where we just the golf course was closed you're making no, no money, money that day. and you still have to have people there. So you're actually losing money those days. Salaries. You're salaries and what have you. So if you, yeah, I mean, if you, and then not only that, like if you've got, you know, you've got bad weather and your, your course, you know, you can't maintain the course properly. People, when you do have good weather, people don't want to come up and play your course. Yeah. Uh, thankfully we've, kind of avoided that we've been in pretty well you guys have always been kind of been shape. known that like like lively is always in great shape like is it a, the groundskeeper is it the, the management there like what is it about lively that's always put it at the top of the like whenever people thinking like sure there's idlewilds and there's tim wolves but like yeah i like lively's just that that special place especially for a, like a public course yeah i think it's uh, i think that's the big one is that it is a public course um not that tim wolf isn't um but i think we're you know the price point is a little bit lower than tim wolf um Condition-wise, I would put us always, at least in the last couple of years, um, we've had a new, new superintendent in the last couple of years who's done an absolutely unbelievable job. Is the superintendent in like in charge of the greens? In like charge he, of the, the he, golf course itself, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, then so the actual grounds and everything, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I think we've been we've been right up there in terms of, of condition, right up there with, with the Idlewild, in my, in my opinion. We're a similar course, like just length and layout-wise to the Idlewild. Um, but I think yeah, it's it's that public atmosphere. Um, it's a pretty inviting golf course to come and play. It's not you know not overly challenging. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think the price point is there and the, just the the overall value 
that, yeah. that we're that we offer is is kind of I think second to none in Sudbury. From a value perspective, yeah, like it's it's unbelievable. You show up this golf course, and actually, I, I remember watching TSN one time, and and they were talking about their favorite places, and I, I want to say it was like Ferrara or something like that. That like throughout <laughs> that like lively golf country, she's like this little place called lively golf country yeah, yeah. club. You know, like so you guys are known on a, on a national level at least. I'm serious, right? so, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you were mentioned. On we gotta find that. We gotta find that clip and throw it up on our on our web page. Yeah, that. that'd be fantastic. And then also, in addition to that. You guys have uh, like so like explain to me the Ryder Cup and how that works because you've been involved in that personally in the last like in the last little bit of the history there. Yeah, um, so that's an event that goes back. Um, geez, I want to say, I want to say like thirty years. Um, goes back a, a while anyway. Um, predates Timberwolf. It used to be uh, so it used to be between Lively Cedar Green and the Idlewild. Yeah. Um, and it kind of it just puts uh, the top eight guys from each of the golf courses, uh, including their including the pros, um, against each other in three days of uh, match play. So, kind of like or just like what you'd see on uh, on TV and PGA with like their Ryder Cup. Only difference being is there's three teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just we go head to head on three days. We do a day of alternate shot, a day of uh, best ball, and a day of individual matches. And uh, yeah, we have all three courses kind of going head to head. Uh, now that Tim Wolf's been open, Tim Wolf's taken over from Cedar Green being involved. But basically, I guess all the same. It's all golf separate. But are you like uh, going from one course to another kind of? Yeah, so we do all three courses throughout the week. Uh, it's it's on a rotation. So the final day is hosted by a different course every year, and we just kind of rotate through. And so the final quarter, the, the final day is always the singles matches, and we have it a little. Uh, like a gala dinner at the end of it, uh, bring bring wives, girlfriends, or whatever, and yeah. have a little little party to cap things off. And it's it's honestly it's it's probably, and I think you could ask like almost everybody that plays in that tournament. It's probably my favorite weekend, my favorite golf tournament to play of the entire year. Um, well, you're just because you're you're with not only like the eight guys from or the other seven guys from your course. There's you know sixteen guys from the two other courses that you, you everybody knows everybody, and it's. It's definitely very competitive once once we get out there. I mean, like the the points and and the matches matter, but at the end of the day, everybody's having a good time. You know, we're we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We're out there. We're 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 having drinks. We're we're enjoying each other, right? Like it's 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 good. It's a lot of fun. It's it's wicked fun. And match play is the best. Like match play is match play is awesome. It's for a guy like me especially who can make you know a bunch of birdies, but also make a bunch of doubles and triples. It's, uh, I really enjoy match play for that reason. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I think if you think about it, like, Sudbury's a pretty small place, and Sudbury go- golfing community in Sudbury's even the smaller place. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, like, the, those uh, 24 guys are, like, probably pretty tight-knit, and they all know each other, you know. Yeah. All around Sudbury kind of thing, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and like, like I was saying, like, so I, like, about growing up in, like, the, 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 the Tiger Woods era, right? So when I look now, like, there's guys, there's so many guys at the other courses that all grew up playing junior golf in the same as me so we've all grown up playing golf against each other since we were 10 so we've known we've all known each other forever right yeah. and we'll play golf outside of like together outside of the Ryder Cup and yeah it's, it's but it's just yeah that little bit of competitiveness to it and you're you're okay. playing you're playing for your club too it's yeah. it's just fun well you said you've got lively pride you shiny yeah team. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah we're always still always like little old lively you know a little the little underdog team yeah but 
fantastic. I, I, the one thing that, like, it's not this tournament, but it's the, uh, what is it, the uh, the Idlewild, the Open or whatever they do, the, yeah. the Men's Invitational, where they actually, like, raffle, like, you auction off players and stuff like that, and it's yeah. like that whole betting behind the scenes. Like, I kind of got uh, got introduced to that a few years ago. I'm like, man, that's, like, some people are going for thousands and thousands of dollars. Right yeah, now. so we, we, so I'm in charge of running our, our Men's Open at, at Lively. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you bring up the Idlewild. So I took over as men's chair, um, let's say about five years ago now. And that was kind of my, my number one goal with, with being the men's chair was kind of to, to revitalize, to really kind of just kind of kickstart or jumpstart the, our men's open again. Um, just numbers in general and not, not just for our men's open, but all of them, their amateur golf is kind of declining a little bit. So, um, I actually called, uh, called Robbie Coe, called, uh, Michael Bryan, guys that were involved with running the, the Idlewild and kind of asked them for advice on, you know, that's, you know, that's the marquee tournament in Northern Ontario it's, and it always has been. It's, I think it's the it's, longest in Canada or something. It's the, it's the oldest match play tournament match play. in Canada. Yeah. So I called up those guys actually and got some advice and just the, on, on what they do and, um, you know, like soliciting sponsorships, um, that kind of, that was one of the biggest ones. Um, and just, you know, making sure to just kind of give back to the tournament, yeah. um, you know, make sure the players are having a good time. That's kind of being first and foremost, um, make an event out of it. Right. Yeah. But my, my whole concept was, you know, like if you guys, if you guys, the Idlewild, the, the invitational is kind of the masters of amateur golf tournaments in the North. I want the lively open to be the waste management tournament. Like I want it to be the gong show fun tournament where <laughs> guys come, you know, they, they know they're going to have a good time. They're going to spend a bunch of money on booze at the course, make the golf course a little bit of money, but have an awesome time too. Right. And that's uh, I think that atmosphere has really taken off in the last couple of years. We've gotten back up over the 200 uh, participant mark in the last year. Um, and guys are pre-registering for the next year's event every year, so it's awesome. yeah, it's, yeah, it's going awesome. So you're encouraging the Baba Booies. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come out and scream your mashed potatoes, Baba Booies, all that. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, you're 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 definitely a local guy, and uh, like again, local to Lively is uh, like I like the Lively pride there. So let's bring it back to some local questions here. But so describe Lively in one sentence. Um, one sentence for lively. A few words or whatever, <laughs> yeah. Um, one sentence to describe lively, I would say, um, I don't know, I think it's just a, it's, it's, uh, like, just small, tight-knit community, um, everybody's kind of got each other's backs in it. It's the best, that I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there, there's something to be said like like in Sudbury in general if you grew up here you typically if you go down south you're gonna come back but live is even more to that extent whereas if you grew up in those neighborhoods in Lively yeah. like you're gonna come back I think it's the same way with all the with all the communities in Sudbury right like the outlying like if you you know like I said I'm always sure to tell people you know where are you from I'm from Lively where's that Sudbury where's that you know it's like yeah. okay but uh, I think it's uh, I think it's the same like. If you ask guys from guys from the valley, right, they're gonna tell you I'm from the valley. It's not. Nice. Ask, ask guys from Chemi. I'm from Chemi. I'm not Sudbury, right? Unless you're actually from Sudbury proper, you're not saying you're from Sudbury. <laughs> That's my experience, anyway. Yeah. But everybody from Lively, like all the guys that I know, like you know, we're all proud to be from Lively. So I think it's. What's uh What's the one thing that you can bring to Lively that is missing? Um. If money's no option, like what would you bring it to? I would expand that golf course. Yeah. I would just, yeah, I would just dump a bunch of money, make it, uh, you know, blow up the clubhouse, make it like, uh, you know, kind of state of the art, just 
Yeah. For my own selfish reasons. Have, have they ever thought of it? Because they've got the par three course across the street, and I think they were trying to do some condos or something like that. Like, has that ever been an option to kind of take over there and expand? Or? Um, not really. You know what? I don't know if it's something that we'd even really entertain. It just, uh, I like, I've played in that. I've played over there a couple times, like, just for little fun charity tournaments and stuff. It's, uh, it, it's pretty weird. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 honestly, like, everybody thinks it's, uh, oh, that's a great place to, like, go have juniors play, and it's like, no, it's not. Like, you're hitting, like, there's massive, like, there's cliffs that you gotta hit up. There's so many there's, blind shots. Yeah, there's blind shots all over, there's water all over the place. Like, I wouldn't start my kid playing golf there, ever. <laughs> I brought my ever. wife there once, and I was like, wow, this is a tough course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hit a shot that I think is straight, sure, like, my, I'm not a great golfer, but, like, I go up and I'm like, no, my ball's nowhere to be found. <laughs> um, and what's been the biggest change you've seen happen in Lively over, you know, even over 15 or 20 years? Um, well, you know what, like you could probably relate to this. I just think like just how, um, how much is it, it's expanded, like the, the population in Lively and just the, the amount of new subdivisions that are popping up all the time. Um, I mean, I just bought a house in one of the newer subdivisions. Like yeah. it's just, it's, uh, how desirable of a place it's become to live. Um, like I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, it was like, you know, Lively, you're living out in the boonies. Like people thought you're living out in the bush and now it's like, people want to live in lively like it's this you see a, you see a house pop up for sale in lively it's it's gone the next day like in hours yeah <laughs> like it's, it's crazy like well like the house that the house that you sold me like we went and looked at it the day it was on the market and put an offer in that day it was like was it even multiple offers probably even? Like, i don't even yeah, you know what it might not have even been on the on the market yet we just went and like yeah. we're like this is coming like let's, let's get on this yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane that's for sure yeah i think that's the biggest change i've seen is just how much it's kind of really become a desirable place for for younger families especially the one thing that that like impresses me so much about and like i always say so there's like in all of walden so white yeah, fish yeah. like like lively like like uh, waters like there's 3500 homes and in the valley there's 17000 homes like they're like just just from like sure we're having new subdivisions pop up and more and more houses pop up but like it cannot meet the demand that's there for it right right yeah and yeah. again like that whole if you grew up there then you want to come back like yeah so uh, <laughs> so it's uh, like i definitely find that as well. <coughs> Anyway, though, we're going to like, close this up with some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Um, what's your favorite... Uh, it sounds like your favorite summer activity is going to be golf, but what's your favorite summer activity, then? That would definitely be golf. golf yeah. <laughs> and what's your favorite winter activity? Um, you know what? I recently started getting back into skiing, so... Downhill? cross country. Downhill, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess as far as, like, outdoor activity would be that, but I'm still... Still, I guess I, I'd have to give it to hockey, technically, because it's being played in the winter, so yeah. I'm still playing beer league hockey, so oh, yeah? we'll still give it to hockey. You're still lacing them up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, who's your favorite, uh, do you have a favorite hockey team? I've uh, been a Wings fan for as long as I can remember. The Wings fan, eh? Yeah. Well, do you remember kind of what got you? Was it Stevie Y, or was yeah, it... Yeah, uh, it was 100% yeah. Stevie Y. It was a combination of probably Stevie Y and Sergey Fedorov. I remember my, yeah. my sister would be a huge uh, uh, Detroit fan, and I was a huge, uh, well, I was a Patrick Waugh fan, so like, the the oh, yeah, good, yeah. Patrick Waugh <laughs> matchups and yeah. stuff like that back then. Those were, we're, awesome. we're pretty legendary, yeah. yeah. Uh, you said you were listening to lots of podcasts, so what kind of podcasts are you listening to right now? Um, number one is definitely uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan? Probably just like everybody else. In the I was world, gonna but... get spitting chicklets for you, but yeah, oh, that's that's a that's a that's a close second chicklets. Uh recently started getting into um I can't remember the name of it, but it's with um Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell about um 
just about like the stories behind like recording albums and stuff. So they've got different uh, different artists on there all the time. I heard he was do- doing a new project because like I'm a big revisionist history fan, and that's Malcolm Gladwell's like. Yeah, soul. you know what? I got it on my phone. I'll pull it out and see. Yeah. Tell you what it is. It's it's pretty awesome. I've listened to it a few times here. He's just such an awesome guy. And then I like I loved uh, I loved the little story he gave uh, the one time. He's just like the most famous phone call he's ever got was uh, President Obama called him. To tell him how much he liked one of the podcasts that he did. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Just like, like, like Malcolm Gladwell's just like, like obviously he's uh, something that just uh, like a role model of role models, right? That we can aspire to be there. But yeah, um, it's called uh, Broken Record. Broken Record. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Favorite uh, lively or Sudbury festival or event? Um, to be honest, I don't really haven't really attended a ton of events. Um, Winter Carnival coming Rivest. up this weekend in Lively. Like yeah, uh, well, we the boys used to do the Winter Carnival. We used to get a little boot hockey team out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've always always been pretty into music, so I, I guess I'd have to say Northern Lights. Northern get, Lights. Uh, yeah, when they get some some bigger acts coming through, it's it's good to get out. Uh, Grace Hartman's a pretty cool place to go. It is so check cool. out an act. Like right? it's not like, to be right on the water like that. It's sure it could be bigger or something like that. I, like, yeah, that's that's the only downside, right? People always say it could be be bigger, but I mean, I guess it's when it's smaller like that, it makes it a little more intimate, and it's yeah. yeah, it's a cool it's a cool atmosphere for sure. For sure, for sure, I love that for sure. Uh, toughest part of being a ref in the big leagues there. Um, probably like for me, it's probably it's it's balancing kind of like the the work life the work life schedule um you know like because it's because it's junior hockey um you know most of these games are on the weekends right to make sure the, the these guys are still school. kids they're yeah. still in school so make sure they're going to school on, during the weekdays so um winter time a lot of my my weekends are kind of chewed up eaten up by traveling out of town um i've been in the league long enough now where i can kind of you know pick, I'll and, choose pick and choose i'll take a few weekends off here and there and just you know need some me time but it's like it's any side hustle like that it's not your full-time gig you have to realize that it's just like you yep. do have a full-time gig that puts you know food on your table right so yeah for sure you got to respect that and i like i had a question here tiger versus phil but you've already said like how much of a tiger fan you are but it's, if we have to if we have to say right off the bat like what's your favorite tiger memory I think the one that just the one that probably stands out is super. I mean, super cheesy. Everybody's every almost everybody could say it was sixteen at Augusta. Yeah, it's just the, but, the Nike uh, ball just yeah, slowly was, rotating. And it's you know what, like it's funny too. I remember watching that and uh, watching it with my parents and like uncles and stuff. And it's it's funny. It seems like uh, it always seemed like older guys, uh, like people my parents' age started just hating Tiger because for whatever reason they just they show him all the time well like people want to see him right yeah so they just start rooting against him and I'd always you know always be rooting for Tiger so um seeing stuff like that like kind of right in the presence of my parents and people who would be like uh, like the hell of Tiger kind of thing like yes yeah. I love that it was so, great like you like in your face a little bit but that's actually a harder question than you'd think though because I'm a lefty so I'm always oh yeah so I've always really liked Phil too so but I, I, I yeah I'd still and the business guy like he, yeah I still think I'd take Tiger yeah yeah I, I remember I think it was that year too that he won that Masters that he uh I my I was down south with some family and they were going to the Canadian Open and I like they were like oh should we have like I was young so I wouldn't have been able to drive but like they're like oh Dave can we get you tickets or whatever and it was just it just didn't work out yeah but that was the year that uh, on eighteen he hit that like two hundred fifty oh, yeah, bunker shot bunker, yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so there is a lot of Tiger memories there too to to kind of go around for sure oh there's tons yeah favorite hole at Lively um I have a favorite hole um number ten is probably probably the prettiest hole. 
Yeah. Just uh, yeah, just the way it's the way it's laid out. Uh, it's right out, you know, kind of a not necessarily a signature hole, but it's you know just right out in front of the clubhouse. Everybody sees it, so it's always uh, always really well maintained. Um, it's tough to say if I have a really have a favorite. I have a least favorite. What's your least favorite? Uh, I hate number. I hate eighteen. I can't 18? stand eighteen. Yeah, it's caused me. It's cost uh, cost me some cost me some strokes and cost uh, some friends of mine a lot of money uh, <laughs> betting on me in the Calcutta. So yeah. sorry, boys, about that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's how the cookie, <laughs> that's how the cookie crumbles. For me, I like I love the whole like it's the whole three is the par five, right? Yeah, yeah. Just because I I I'm not a great golfer, but like I've had two eagles on that hole, and that's probably my only two eagles I've ever had. Right, so good reason to Wolves are the seventy five. Uh, I'd have to say wolves. I'm not really not not being a basketball guy, but uh, have you heard, checked it? No, but I was just gonna say I've heard like anybody that's gone, and even guys who I know that like aren't really big ball guys. They said it's actually a pretty good show, like to go live. It's a pretty so, awesome atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to get to there sooner or later. Okay. And last but not least, <laughs> if you had Sudbury's attention for thirty seconds, what would you say? Um, I would just say um, you know, embrace your community. Um, you know, be proud of where be proud of where you're from. Um, you know, when you, you travel around, uh, as much as I do, it's, uh, Sudbury's got, uh, a lot more standing than you think. People always are you know, starting to realize more and more. They know exactly where Sudbury is on the map now. Um, so, um, yeah, it always used to be kind of something that you'd kind of be like, oh, I'm from, lively, I'm from Sudbury. But now it's, uh, I think it's, you know, it's a more prideful place to be, to be from now. So. I'd say just continue to, to have pride in your community and wear it, like a, wear it like a badge of honor. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, thanks for getting me on the mic today. If they want to find you, uh, are you on Instagram, Facebook, or where are they looking at? Um, I'm on, uh, not on a ton of social media, actually. I'm yeah. on... Uh, you can you find them at the golf find, course. Find me at the golf course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you, can find, you can search out my private Instagram account. That's about it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you guys can review this, share this, so we can get the good uh, word out. And until next time. Catch you later, guys. Correct response. What is my hometown, Sudbury, Ontario?